church, and you know we just pay normal rent. So how awesome is that? Um, so we'll plan on being in this particular theater for another couple of weeks, maybe maybe three, hopefully no more than three or four weeks, and then we'll be able to transition back out into uh, into a, a nice, newly fresh, renovated theater. Uh, so next week, as Blake mentioned, we're jumping into, uh, we're kind of in between series right here. We're, we're, uh, we just finished up with that, the movies, and we had a lot of fun with that. We spent uh, about five weeks just looking at different films, and it's been, that was awesome. We love that so much. And then we're heading into next week, uh, a new collection of talks, a new series um, on angels and demons. So that's going to be a lot of fun as well uh, and very interesting. So uh, that's coming up. So this week was just kind of open. And, and I want to give you a preface right here at the beginning. The inspiration for this message this morning came from Instagram of all places. Uh, that's kind of where the uh, inspiration, not just Instagram, but what goes into taking Instagram pictures um, many of you know that I sit in Aromas, uh, the, the coffee shop here in town. I sit there most days as my makeshift office, and, uh, and I observe the clientele from time to time. So if you, if you come in there, I've probably, like, you know, watched you and what you're doing. I like people watching. It's a lot of fun. And so I've observed the clientele uh, from time to time, and, um, and, and I witnessed something a few weeks ago that, that's certainly not out of the ordinary, but for some reason it sort of stuck with me, and it was just, it was just this, this thing that happened that sort of just ingrained in my memory a little bit. And, and so here, here it is. Here's what happened. I watched as a young lady um, at, at the table beside me worked hard for more than 10 minutes to set up her perfect Instagram pic. Hey, come on. I know many people in this room have been guilty of this as well. I'm not trying to shame you here. I'm just reporting the facts, okay? And so this is what she did. She was, she was sitting there. Uh, she, got her, she got her latte in the oversized mug, uh, possibly a lavender or pumpkin spice variety. I'm not sure. And so she got her latte there. She went and, and, and set it down on her table. Uh, she pulled out a book, and then she pulled out a notebook, and then she pulled out a calligraphy, calligraphy pen, and, and she sets all them there. And, and then she, she, so she's got the big coffee, she's got the big mug, got all the stuff, and she starts moving things around. Uh, she starts situating stuff for the best angle. She opens up the notebook to a pre-written quote, something that's already there, um, and then sets the calligraphy pen on top so as to make it seem like she just wrote it, I think. Um, and then she starts, you know, taking pictures. Right? She gets her phone out, she starts taking pictures, and she gets kind of around the table, and, and I can tell she's trying to find just the right angle uh, to get what she wanted. And then once she did that, she began getting ready for a picture of herself. I guess she was going to do a two-part Instagram post, two pictures. And so then she starts, she reverses the camera and begins kind of like fixing the hair, getting it all, you know, out of the, you know, duck lips, no duck lips, I don't know. Uh, she was kind of just getting it all ready. And then, and then she even moved to the other side of the table. And this, this was like encroached on my personal space because she came over on my side of the table because she, I think she wanted like the natural sunbeams to highlight the highlights in her hair. And so, um, and so this was all going on. I kind of just watched all this and I kind of just witnessed it as it, as it transpired. And, uh, and listen, again, I know that we have all done something like this to some extent. We stage pictures. There's nothing wrong with that. We, we, we set things up. We get the kids ready and we put them here and like, all right, now I know you hate each other, but smile and don't hit each other for just two seconds so we can take this picture. We, we, we stage. We do, there's nothing wrong with that. But as I watched this young girl kind of go through this painstaking routine, I was just struck by the idea that, that what she's projecting to her followers is not entirely reality. I mean, it's really not. 
is, is definitely not the whole truth. I mean, yes, it is it's partially true. Like, like she is in a coffee shop and her hair color is that hair color. And, and well, maybe, I don't know. And, and, and then, and so the, like those things were real, but she, she, the whole truth was not actually being seen. It was just this, this tweaking of the truth that she wanted people to see. It was a partial truth at best. And the reason I start there is because in that same way that she was putting out there a partial version of herself or really just a partial truth, there were some things that tweaked and, and doctored and edited. Now, I don't know what she said in her post. I, I wasn't being that creepy to where I was like looking over her shoulder and seeing what she was typing. Um, I did try to find her. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that either. But I, I, don't know what she, I don't know what she said in her post. I don't know what she hashtagged. But a few days later, I was sitting next to another young lady who I actually know very well. And she was reading a post that she had made aloud to her friend. And, and her, her post ended with, with hashtag good vibes only. Hashtag good vibes only. And so uh, that's, that's actually what we're just going to call that. That's the message for this morning. Hashtag good vibes only. And, 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 and so there it was, like the, the, first, the first Instagram in, incident, and then this one just kind of came together, and this message was beginning to form in my head. Good vibes only. This is basically a phrase that captures a lot of what Instagram and social media is in general. Like we see this all over the place. There are these little pictures, uh, little little gifts, little. They're they're all over the place. You've probably seen some of these or all of these or whatever. You probably use some of these maybe even on your own on your own uh, accounts. Uh, people will post and they go to Instagram in order to get good vibes. I mean, really, no, nobody's on there like like I'm just looking for someone to make me depressed today. Let me go check out Instagram and see what's going on. Ironically, that's kind of what ends up happening sometimes when you look at everybody else's highlight reel. And, and you go on there and it's like good vibes, positive things, and people are posting about their workout and, and this smoothie and that inspirational quote and they're getting it all. And, and so the thing is, is that people are just trying to maintain a positive atmosphere around them. And, and listen, there's something about that that, that I can almost get on board with. I mean, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 that whatever is true, noble, pure, right, good, think about those things. So there's kind of an element of truth in here. There's, there's, some, there's some truth built into this. The reality is that, that all of us, even, even if we want to have good vibes, we know that that is not an experience that can always be a part of our lives. When it, when, when it gets tricky, is when it gets tricky is whenever there's a, there's a Christian version of good vibes only. Like culture has its own, culture has the good vibes. In Christianity, in the church today, and, and in America, we, there, we have some expressions of our own kind of good vibes only. We have some phrases that, that we, we use and some ideas that we come under. And, and, and so we, we have this idea of like, hey, good, positive things only. And they're, they're, always they're, often, they're often attached to this idea of like, listen, if you just... If you just believe enough good things, God has good things in store for you. God has good coming your way. I'm believing for good this year in you, in your job, in your relationships, in your family, in your money, in your status. I'm believing that for you and in you. All those things are good things coming to you. If you just believe enough and have enough faith and if you live the right type of life, those things are headed your way. You just need to, to hold on. So there are some expressions in particular, where, where the church is believing some partial truths that contain a little bit of truth, but also contain a little bit of a lie. And if you and I are not careful to know what those lies are, you're going to set yourself 
up. You're, in, in other words, you're going to believe the three myths and, and truths or the, or the three partial truths that we're going to talk about this morning that are, that are widely pervasive in our, in our church and in our culture. You're going to set yourself up to experience depression, despair, a Christianity that doesn't work because it's not actually Christianity, and experience a relationship with God that is defined as, as anything but a healthy, functioning relationship as the Bible would describe. And so here it is. We're just going to jump right in because we don't we don't have time to, to chit-chat. Here we go. The first partial truth is, is what we're going to call the prosperity gospel. That's the first partial truth. And what do I mean by that? Because immediately, if you've been in church for any period of time, you probably have a, a, some sort of a preconceived notion of what I'm, what I'm trying to, to say about that. So what do I mean? The prosperity gospel basically says this, that, that God, at the end of the day, wants you to be happy, healthy, and wealthy. And by the way, this is infiltrating some, in some significant ways in the church in America. If you want to follow God, here's what you need to know. God is for you. He is good. He loves you. You are going to have a healthy, wealthy, happy life. That is God's will for you. That is what God wants for you. That's what's coming. If you don't have those things, it's because you don't have enough faith, because you are not inside the will of God. So you need to actually check yourself because this is what God wants for you. Okay. So this is a partial truth. There's, there's kind of something true in that. But there's also something that's not true in that. So, so pastor, what do you mean? Okay. Here, here, here's, there is a kind of truth in that. It's not like God is out there not wanting you to live uh, a good life, not wanting your life to prosper. It's not like he's sitting in heaven like, man, I can't believe they're doing so well. This is unbelievable. No, he, like, he, he th there is some truth in this idea. He's not radically opposed to that, but it is not the entire truth because it, it sells itself short in saying at the end of the day, do you know what God wants for you? He wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to, 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 to follow God. This is what's in store for you. And just that idea doesn't really align with the Bible. A verse that many use to back this claim, this is one that you'll see on coffee cups and bumper stickers, and it's one that many of you even know probably by heart. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. A very famous verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So here's what happens. People take this verse. Maybe you broke up with your girlfriend, and it's like, hey, it's okay. Look, God says in Jeremiah 29, 11 that he has a plan for you, and he has a plan to prosper you. I know you just lost your job, but he has a hope, and he has a future, and he has good things coming for you. You need to hold on because that's what God has for you. So what they look at this verse and say, maybe you've given that same advice. I know there have been times where I've bordered on giving that advice, and I've had to kind of like reevaluate what I was thinking. People will say that, and it's like, okay, that's good, but it falls short of actually rightly applying the verse. That, that, God's, that, that God's goal in even saying that at the time was not that you would be wealthy and happy and healthy. Ultimately, contextually, when that verse was written, it was not meant it, it, what it meant to them was, was something very different, and I think it's very different what it should mean to us today. The context for that verse, and we're going to read it here in just a second. If, if you read around that verse and when it was written, it was written by a prophet named Jeremiah. And, and here's basically the cliff notes. Uh, this was written to people who were in exile. 
Basically, the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem got conquered. And so this empire called Babylon came in. They conquered Jerusalem, and and they decided to take the top 10% of society back with them as prisoners. They would be exiles. And so I don't know exactly what their standard was. I don't know how they went around and chose the top 10%, maybe like the prettiest people and the smartest people. I'm not really sure. But but they take the top 10%, and, and they say, you're coming back with us to Babylon. And so people lost their family members. They lost their friends. They lost their their loved ones. People people lost their neighbors and their and their co-workers. They were just taken away and sent into exile in Babylon. This would have been devastating for some people. Not just getting conquered by an outside nation, but losing 10% of everybody you know. People didn't want to accept it. And so they began to, to go like, I'm sure God's going to bring them back. I'm sure God, God's going to do, God's going to fix this. He's going to change this. He's going to, he's, he's going to, he's going to show up and he's going to do something real big. And, and so we're told that false prophets started showing up and saying, you're the nation of Israel. God is going to give you a destiny and a future. And he is bringing them back soon. Started giving these false promises. And so Jeremiah writes a letter to the exiles. And in this letter, he says, hey, don't buy it. Exiles, get comfortable. You're staying in Babylon. Here's what he says. This is, this is what he writes uh, around. Again, we're going to, so we've, we read 29.11, but, but let's back it up to verse 8, and let's, let's see what uh, Jeremiah says here. Uh, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not, let your fault, don't, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So the context of this verse is Jeremiah saying, hey, hey, people are, are saying that you're coming home. You're not coming home. You're not coming back. So get comfortable. Seek the welfare of the city that you're in. Put down roots. You're not coming home. In fact, some of you guys, you're not going to live for the next 70 years. And so your kids or your grandkids are going to be the ones that are actually brought back. This isn't even for you. And, and, and so the thing is, is that we pluck this verse out of Scripture and we're like, here's what this verse means. It means that God has a future for you to be healthy and wealthy and happy. And here is the will of God for your life. Listen to me, church. That is a half truth. It's a partial truth that that robs what God actually says is a real blessing, which is having a relationship with him, having health in your relationship with him, having health in your relationship with other people, being his hands and his feet on this earth, knowing that we get to spend an eternity with him. Come on, somebody, this is the real blessing. But this idea of prosperity, it's all over Christianity and in our country today, and it's tragic because it's selling a lie that does not come from the Bible. There are people that would say, God wants you to be wealthy. And if you're not wealthy, then there must be some sin or unresolved issue in your life. Or possibly you're not really sacrificing enough. You're not tithing enough. God's not able to bless you financially unless you give more. Listen, this this is overtly a lie. It belittles the message of Jesus. It belittles the message of the Bible. It belittles the God who is there. 
there are also people who say, do you, do, you know what God, do you know what God wants for you? He wants you to be healthy. And if you're not healthy, it's because something, uh, something you're doing or you're not doing enough of, or maybe people haven't prayed for you or the right person hasn't come along and extended the gift of healing to you. Here it is, church. God can heal people. He does it all the time. But the will of God is not always healing for you. There are all types of people who are putting forward that what, what it looks like if you really follow God or if you really had enough faith that you would be healed. And that's just a lie. I don't, I, don't, I don't see that in Scripture. It's not how the Bible says God operates. Sometimes the most God-exalting thing is, the, is, is not that the paraplegic gets up and walks again. Sometimes it's not that the deaf person hears or the blind person sees. I don't know exactly why he chooses in his sovereignty not to heal at times, but I do know that he is glorified when you're not healed and you still say that he is king, he is good, and he is alive. That's what the Bible teaches. Anybody that tells you anything that is inconsistent with that is honestly lying to you. So ultimately, here's what happens. The prosperity gospel, it creates this, this weird, um, it creates this weird relationship between you and God where you actually don't worship God. You actually start to worship what God can give you. And it causes people to walk away from the faith. Strong believers told that if they have enough faith and pray hard enough that their husband will be healed, and then he's not, she walks away from God because either she was lied to by God or she doesn't have enough faith. When in reality, God never said that to begin with. The second partial truth that is spreading, honestly, I think even quicker in our day and age is, is just one that I would call the positivity gospel. The positivity gospel. Now, what do I mean by that? It's almost like this type of Christianity that's very focused on self-help. Uh, this you can do it and no weapon formed against you can stand in this motivational kind of pep rally. Let's all come together, and you're going to defeat it this year, and you're going to conquer it this year. The promotion is going to be yours. I'm just going to believe it enough. And if you believe it enough, then it will happen in your life. And again, this is so dangerous because it's like a partial truth. There's, there's something true about that. There's something true about, man, the God, that, that God, the, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That is 100% true. That if you walk in dependence on him, there's no limit to what God can do. 100% true. But so it's taking something true and then it gets distorted. It begins, to, it begins to make promises that God never made. It begins to make promises that are not what God says ultimately this is. I'm, I'm promising that you're going to flourish at your job or you're going to get married this year are promises that, that, that are not things that God says, at least not in his word. So let me give you an example. Oftentimes people do this. The, the dangerous thing about all three of these partial truths that, that we're talking about here uh, this morning is that people take Bible verses, they try to support them. You know, see, this is what God says. How, how, this is how you can know this is going to happen for you this year. People take the Bible stories and do the same thing, right? So what do I mean? It would be like this, like, uh, hey, I've, this, I've heard something similar to this. So, hey, you know, you know what? Just like David slayed the giant of Goliath and put him to death, this year God has told me he has a word for you. You are going to put to death the giant of singleness. 
He will not arm against you. No weapon formed against you shall stand. You will prosper. Any door that God closes, a window he follows up with. Because that's how my God works. Your setback will be set up for what God is going to do to bring success. Listen, it's motivational. It's exciting. Like I want to kind of run around a little bit. But it's only a partial truth. Yeah, it's going to be set up, set back. I I can't wait. That sounds awesome. And then I leave and I'm like, I don't know what that actually means. I don't know what to do with that. I think I was just promised that I'm getting married this year and I'm going to get out of debt next month. I don't know. So here's where it starts to go sideways. Those things don't happen. Those things are promised and then they don't happen. And oftentimes, it's like I said before, it's because you didn't have enough faith. You should have just believed a little bit more. But really what it's doing is it's making promises that God never made in his name. And it's tragic. Listen, I'm all about positivity. I, I don't like thinking about negative things. I like thinking about positive things. I am glass half full all day long. In fact, if there's even a drop of liquid in the bottom of the glass, I'm thinking we're in business. Like I'm, that's, I'm positive. But when you begin to live a life that buys into this lie that God has promised certain things or that he begins to, to, it begins to focus on yourself and you, you start saying, like, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. I'm going to take this thing down. I'm getting a promotion. Then you are buying into things and, and, and holding them as promises that God never said he promised to you. He promised in this world you're going to have trouble. Didn't promise that you're going to get a promotion. So what happens whenever you begin to go like, like I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go believe God promising for me to get a promotion this year. I'm believing that. That's what he told me, and then it doesn't happen. Well, then you end up in this place where you're like, I guess God is a liar. I don't even know how this whole thing works. Maybe there's something wrong with me. And listen, church, my heart breaks for the number of Christians who have walked away from the faith because of this very reason. In many cases, I believe that, that God is there going, I never promised that. I promise that I'm enough no matter what you face, no matter what you walk through. One of the more popular verses that people on the same kind of vein of positivity, self-empowerment, this whole you got it thing, they pull out Philippians 4.13. And again, probably everybody in this room or many people in this room could quote this with me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is in every Christian school's gym on the wall. It was under Tim Tebow's eyes. Right? When he was playing football, it really captures the football faith, honestly. Like, like we're going to beat them for Jesus. Let's do it. Running out of the locker room. Let's go. Did you know that the fight song at, at North Greenville University, where I went to school, the fight song was Victory in Jesus? And so uh, whenever we scored a touchdown, the band would just pop off, Victory in Jesus. So when we don't score a touchdown, I guess Jesus loses. I don't know what this means. Uh, <laughs> Listen, that verse does not promise victory over over things in the world. Ironically, he was saying the exact opposite of like, hey, we're going to win because God will give us strength. What he was actually saying was no matter what happens, if I win or if I lose, if I'm rich or if I'm poor, no matter what I face, I can handle it because of Jesus. He is enough. So so let's look at the context real quick. Verse verse 12, um, I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. 
In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What's Paul trying to say? If we win or if we lose, Jesus is enough. If I'm single or if I'm married, Jesus is enough. If I don't get the job, if I lose the job, if I get the job, if I get a promotion, come on somebody, Jesus is enough. So Paul, as he grew in his relationship, and he said, I learned the secret. And, 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 and in this, it wasn't an overnight thing. He learned the secret over time as he was growing in his faith. As I've grown in Jesus, I've, I've learned no matter what is happening on the outside, I can be okay on the inside. It's not because I'm promised victory in every way. It's because Jesus is enough. He is worthy. He is worth it, and he is enough. No matter what I face, even if I'm hungry, I can go through it because I have this connection with Christ that is so real and so tangible that it surpasses everything else I face in this life. And it's pretty astonishing. He says, he says, that is what is part of any person as they grow in their faith and their relationship with Jesus. That is what begins to happen inside of their life. And ironically, Paul wrote this from a prison cell. I can do anything. I can handle anything, even being in jail for my faith. Yet we've taken it and we've kind of twisted it and tweaked it and we made it a pump-up verse attached to promises that God never made. And listen, when we lean into this, we miss out on showcasing to the world that even when things go really bad, Jesus is still Lord. Yes, it is powerful. It is so powerful when a woman gets up and walks away from her wheelchair. And, and when, you've had, when, you've, when you've had everything that you want in life and God brings healing and he makes it happen, those are powerful moments. But it's almost more powerful for someone to go through it and say, he hasn't taken the cancer away. I don't know how much longer I have. I don't know how many more chances I have, but Jesus is enough and I believe in him. When that happens, it almost takes your breath away. I know it does for me. Whenever somebody has the cancer go away, I'm like, wow, what a blessing, praise God. But when they stand there and they look me in the eye and they're like, I don't know if it's ever gonna happen, but I've never felt closer to Jesus than I do right now. I've never felt more alive. He is enough for me. That is breathtaking. Here's the last partial truth we got to push on. As it relates to this good vibes only Christianity, this idea, and what I would call a partial, listen, I know that these, I know that these are, I know that these are maybe even stepping on some toes. All right. I know that these are maybe, maybe hurting some personal theologies. I know that these are kind of, kind of, uh, you know, crashing down on some of your favorite life verses. And, and I'm not trying to do that because what I want to do is I want us to see. That, that there are some truths here, okay? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not downing all of this. There is truth built in, but sometimes we lean too much on the lie that's behind the truth. Okay, here's another one. Uh, promised upgrades, the, the, tr the partial truth of promised upgrades. We only have a minute or two to look at this one, but, but here's what it looks like. Hey, uh, when things don't work out, you didn't get that job, it's because there is a better job coming for you. When your relationship broke off and, and you guys didn't make it, it's because she wasn't the one. God has someone better out there for you. And let me confess, I've said this many times in ignorance. It's, it's kind of this promise upgrades. When things don't go how you want them to, it, it just must be that God has a better something out there for you. Again, there's a partial truth to it. There is a partial truth to it. It's, it's probably, I think, probably one of the most pervasive partial truths believed uh, in, in our church today. This partial truth that God does have something better in terms of... The, God does, let me say this emphatically, God does have something better in terms of his plan for, plans for you. 
He absolutely does. But he doesn't promise that he has a better job for you. So when things fall apart, when your relationship breaks up, it's, it's not true to say, do you know why? God has a better someone out there for you, friend. She's out there, and she, she was not the one, and good riddance to her because we have another one that we're going to look for now. That is not helpful, and that is not true. If, if, I, were, if I were to say that to you, I would just be kind of like saying stuff. Like, I'm, I'm like, I don't want you to feel bad, so here's an empty promise. The verse that most people will pull this from, and, and well-meaning people aren't doing it maliciously. Uh, they've heard people say things like that, but it's, it's, not, it's not biblical. Here's the verse, Romans 8, 28. And we know that, that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. They focus in on that. All things work together for good. Some translations even say our good. They, they, they put the R in there. They really give it to us, right? All things work together for our good. We hold on to that, but we usually take out that, that he works the good for those who are called according to his purpose. We don't read the last line of that. We conveniently leave that off. He tells us in the context of those verses, again, the specific good that he is always at work bringing about in your life. And here's what he says in context, verse 28, and we know uh, that for those who love God, uh, all things work together for good, and those who are called according to his purpose, verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Here it is, the, the specific good that God is at work bringing about in your life to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. The specific good that God is at work What's the good? It's that in every situation you face, God is going to bring about the good goal of using it to make you more like Jesus. That's the specific good in every situation. He doesn't promise that everything you face will be good. He promises that everything you face, even the bad things, even the worst and most painful things, I will use to conform your character to be more like Jesus. Everything you walk through, every breakup, every hardship, all of them, I will use to make you more like Jesus, to work on your character, to produce fruit of the Spirit. That, that would be another way of saying it. And to produce things uh, that, that are like God. And I'm going to use those to begin to work on your anger problem, to work on your lust problem, to work on gossip, to begin anything that's out in your life that does not conform to the character of Jesus. He starts to work on those things. Listen, it was in John chapter 15 where Jesus looked at his disciples, and ironically, he looked at his disciples and he said, here's what you need to know. You're going to have a really hard life. It's going to be rough, guys. It's going to be a tough one. In this world, I'm promising you, you're going to face trouble. But I have overcome the world. This world is a vapor and it is fleeting and I'm enough to get you through it. This is not your home, but I will be enough as you walk through this world. I will use even the hardest things you face to make you more like me or to make you more conform to my character in your life. This is what Jesus is telling his disciples in John 15. <clears throat> so here's the deal, church. I believe in miracles. I know that God hears and answers prayers. God is a healing God. I believe in God's blessings. I have been blessed so much in my lifetime with a family and friends and, and a home and a church family. God blesses his children. I believe that God loves us deeply. I believe that he has a plan that is greater than our own, that he closes and opens doors when necessary. 
I believe that we are filled with his power and that we are more than conquerors in him. I believe in the power of praying in confidence and belief that God will hear and respond. But these things that we talked about this morning are subtle, partial truths. They would agree with everything I just said. And then they tweak it a little bit. God's promises, God, God promises miracles. And if you're not getting one, then you're clearly living in sin. God opens and sometimes closes doors, but that's because he promised a better door for you. These are the subtle tweaks that, that are being made. I'm, I'm filled with his power, therefore I got this. You see, these ideas take the glory from God and gives it to us. And they take the burden of this sinful world and they place it on God. Listen, I know that I can be a cheerleader sometimes. Again, I tend to move toward positivity. I cheer on God. I cheer on his people. And there's nothing overtly wrong with that. God also doesn't want us to, like, live somber and downtrodden lives. That's not the opposite of the positivity gospel, you know, the somber gospel. That's not really what he's looking for. But this morning, what I want us to see is that he is enough with or without health, with or without wealth. He is not letting us down because he never promised that this life would be easy. He is true and faithful and is upholding his end of the covenant. Sometimes he does heal. And sometimes he does allow 500 extra dollars to come in unexpectedly. Sometimes he does respond to our prayers and our belief with positive results. Sometimes he does close one door and open another one for us. But sometimes he doesn't. We like to talk about it when he does. I like to talk about it when he does. I like talking about that a lot. But can we praise him when he doesn't? Can we praise him when it doesn't work out? Is our faith rocked because we believed for something that God never promised and it didn't come to pass? Do we have doubts about our salvation or the will of God just because some other Christian is healthier and wealthier than we are? Listen, church, my job is to shepherd you away from teachings that might harm you. And I have seen all of these teachings harm people, lead people down the wrong path. There is truth in many of these sayings, absolutely. This isn't a warning to stop praying for miracles or believing God for big things. It's, 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 it's a warning to not base your faith on a prayer that you decided was a promise or to feel success, to feel like success at the Christian life means that you're getting rich. It's a caution just to examine the whole of Scripture, not just a single verse. That verse sounds good, but let's look around it. Let's not pull it out of context to support whatever it is that I'm trying to support. Let me pray for us this morning. God, we are so thankful for you, for your son, for his sacrifice. Father, thank you that you love us and that you're for us. You have a plan, a plan that's so much greater, so much better than we can even think of. And you are a healing God. You might not heal us here during this life as we want, but we're promised a new body. There will be healing. In all of eternity, we get to experience the goodness of God. And as we wait, as we're here on this earth, I pray that we would still trust you, 
and that we would walk with you and that we would hold on to you in the midst of the hardship, God. Help us to be the type of people that don't take you for granted, that don't assign false promises in your name. Help us to be the kind of people that, that just trust in where you're leading us, trust in where you're guiding us, trust in how you're using us. And God, may we be the kind of people that know, believe, understand, shout from the rooftops, shout in the midst of our turmoil and our struggle, shout whenever it hurts the most that you are enough. We love you, God. We just pray that you continue to move and speak over these next moments together. It's in Jesus' name I pray.